Let's come to God in prayer. Lord, we pray that in my preaching and in our listening, Lord, you will be honoured and glorified. Amen. Okay, do you remember what last week's sermon was about? Can you remember? A uh, what church? I mean, just now the title was, <laughs> it gave it away already lah. Right? It's a, a devoted church. Okay, so last week we looked at what it means to be a devoted church. Uh, taken from Acts chapter 2 verse 42, uh, which talks about the early church and how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Right? And we saw what being devoted meant, which is not just being loving and loyal like how we would use that word commonly, but specifically to be devoted as to continue to endure with strength in something. Okay, so to be devoted to God's teaching, to be devoted to fellowship, to be devoted to breaking of bread, to be devoted to prayer is to continue to endure with strength in something. So being devoted means sometimes requiring effort. Maybe not all the time, but definitely many times being devoted requires strength and effort. And we saw last week that a devoted church is devoted to the teaching of God. Right? Today we are looking at the next part, which at first it looks like two things, huh? uh, fellowship and breaking of bread, but they share a common theme. So I'll be combining them together and I'll explain a little bit more later. And so the takeaway for today is this, that a devoted church is devoted to Christian fellowship. Okay, very simple. A devoted church is devoted to Christian fellowship. Now, the first thing we need to do is look at this word fellowship. I know technically, technically the word fellowship can refer to a former group of people. So like in a college, like, you know, you can say like, oh, uh, a fellowship in dentistry, okay, that kind of thing. But I want to look at how we usually use this word in church, la, okay? Uh, when we say fellowship this and fellowship that, let's, let's have fellowship and all that. Now, let me do a quick exercise with you. On the count of three, I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them what comes to your mind when I say the word fellowship. Okay, so you look to your left and right. If you've got nobody next to you, you scoot over a bit. Uh, okay. On the count of three, uh, what comes to your mind when I say the word fellowship? Okay, one, two, three. I see a lot of you miming the same thing. How many of you thought about eating? Ah, uh, got right. Okay, how many of you thought about Talking. Ah, also got. I'm guessing, uh, how many of you had other answers? Oh, okay, one, two, three. Okay. Uh, but the majority of us, I'm sure the, the two categories that we usually think about when it comes to fellowship is eating, talking, sometimes talking while eating, right? Uh, but if that is really what it means, fellowship, uh, that is about eating and talking, then we would be 
telling our co-workers, you know, in, 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 uh, while we are working, uh, during lunch break, hey, later I, I blanja you, we, we go fellowship at Nando's, right? Or you, you tell people, oh, this morning, uh, this nasi auntie, uh, Malay auntie sell, sell nasi I was having, uh, I was fellowshipping with her in the morning before I came and I learned a lot about her family. But we, we don't say that, right? It, it sounds a bit weird. And that's because the fellowship we're referring to, whenever we, we refer to talking and, and eating, is really we're talking about Christian fellowship. Yeah, we're talking about Christian fellowship. And so the Greek word that is translated as fellowship is a very popular word among Christians. So probably not a foreign word to you by now. Lah. Okay? And that word is this one. Okay? Uh, I know, okay, just a very quick disclaimer. I know most people pronounce it koinonia. Uh, this is the more popular pronunciation f- used in teaching ancient Greek, uh, known as the Erasmus pronunciation. Uh, but it so happened that I learned Greek un- in seminary under a guy who had a Greek wife. And so he taught us to pronounce Greek using modern Greek pronunciations because Sometimes he would invite us over to his house, uh, and then when his students use the, the Erasmus pronunciation, the wife cannot tahan. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 that's not how you say it. Okay, so I, I'm sticking to what, I, what I'm used to, uh, the modern Greek pronunciation. So I'm pronouncing it as kinonia, okay, kinonia. So because I'm not pronouncing it koinonia, I also won't be making any koinonia jokes, okay. So what does kinonia mean? Well, it's used in many places in the Bible to mean different things, okay? More than just one word. Uh, And it carries the idea of sometimes common sharing or taking part in something together. But let me show you some examples that are a little closer to what we are talking about when we refer to Christian fellowship. And the first example is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, which says, God is faithful. He has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And 2 Corinthians 13, 14, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, in these instances, the word fellowship all come from the same word, kinonia, but if you've noticed, there isn't much eating or talking involved, right? But what it does talk about is being in relationship, okay? In this case, with God. And so the true meaning of fellowship isn't just an activity. It is a state of being in a relationship with someone who shares your faith someone who shares your God. It is a sharing of life with a fellow Christian. Okay, turn to someone next to you. Tell them, fellowship is sharing a relationship with other Christians. Ah, yes. So, when we eat with other Christians, yes, that is Christian fellowship. All the Penangites can breathe a huge sigh of relief. Ah, we didn't get it wrong, okay? Uh, When we talk with other Christians, that is also Christian fellowship. But 
when we cry with other Christians, when we apologize to other Christians, when we rebuke other Christians, believe it or not, that is also Christian fellowship. And so each time, if you notice, I'm getting you to turn to each other a lot. Huh? Each time you turn to each other and you share a word or two, you are experiencing a small slice of Christian fellowship. So remember, fellowship is not just an activity. It is sharing a relationship with other Christians. Okay? So today I'd like us to look at three essential components of Christian fellowship that will require devotion to have regularly. And they are, firstly, participation, secondly, being of common mind, and thirdly, humility and other-centeredness. Firstly, participation. One of the major areas of Christian fellowship requires participation, taking part in the relationship, sharing in the relationship. Remember, fellowship is sharing a relationship with other Christians. So let me ask you, have you ever been in a relationship with someone who doesn't participate in anything between the two of you? Let's say you say something, but they don't listen to you. Or you are trying to listen to them, but they are not saying anything to you. Or you wave at them and they ignore you. They don't wave back. All right, and so if this person doesn't share anything with you in your relationship, you can't actually say that you are in a relationship, right? Imagine you're in a cinema and you're watching the latest Marvel movie with a whole bunch of strangers. They might be there in the same cinema at the same time. They might be watching the same movie that you're watching, but you definitely don't have any relationship with them because none of you are participating in anything between you and them that will form a relationship. Now, remember how fellowship is being in relationship with other Christians. So if you swap out this cinema and you replace it with your home or you replace it with this sanctuary and you replace the Marvel movie with worship songs and a sermon, well unless there is some sort of participation, there isn't much Christian fellowship either. So let's try to tackle that. What are some ways that we can participate in Christian fellowship? I'm not just talking about, you know, a uh, call to worship, somebody says something, then you also say something. I'm talking about, remember, Christian uh, uh, sharing relationship with other Christians. Now, I've picked just some biblical examples from some of the uh, one another commands. If you see in the New Testament, a lot of admonishment, a lot of instructions, a lot of teachings, all end in these words, one another. You know, love one another. Encourage one another. Rebuke one another. So lots and lots of one another commands. And so I've just listed down a few, and I've also listed down the verses. I won't go through the verses. You want to look it up, you just take a photo and, and check later. Okay? And so the first one of uh, how we can participate uh, is through encouragement. 
Now, an encouraging word is free to offer, but a treasure to receive. Let me say that again. An encouraging word is free to offer, but a treasure to receive. Now, do you know who said that? It was me. <laughs> it sounds like something that comes from Proverbs, right? Or one of those quotes. Uh, but we, we live in a world where people are constantly tearing each other down. Uh, for those who spend a lot of time on social media, we live in a cancel culture. I'm sure uh, those online uh, who spend a lot of time online know what that means. Where people make a mistake and then they are condemned. You know, they are, they are strangers who talk bad about them for, for the, pretty much the rest of their time online. You know? So, today, sincere encouragement is a rare commodity. When you build one another up, when you encourage one another, you're not just applying the Word of God, you are also taking part in Christian fellowship. Another way, correction. Another way to participate in Christian fellowship, by correcting one another wisely and patiently. Now, not everyone starts out as a mature Christian. In fact, the only guarantee we have is that everyone starts out as an immature Christian. And part of the role of the body of Christ is to correct one another in love. And so when we exercise this correction with wisdom and patience and love, uh, we, we are participating in Christian fellowship. We can also participate by offering forgiveness to one another. We know how we ourselves often make mistakes, right? Because remember, we all start spiritually immature. Uh, we, we ourselves often make mistakes, and so being generous with our forgiveness to others helps us to remain in Christian fellowship with other imperfect people. One more important area of Christian fellowship is serving one another. Jesus came to serve not to be served. And so as followers of Jesus, serving one another is a core part of our identity, is a core part of how we participate in Christian fellowship. Now, these are just some ways. Uh, those of you who want to take a photo, you can take now. Uh, this is just, these are just some ways that we can participate in Christian fellowship. There are many more. But do you notice something about all these things, these, at least these four things that I've listed out. Encouragement, correction, forgiveness, service. All these things are very clearly things that are meant to be done for others, not something that we do on our own. Of course, you can talk about forgiving yourself and that, that sort of thing, but the, 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 the bulk of when all these things happen is when we do it for others, not just ourselves. And the early church met in homes and in groups, and I think one of the reasons is not just because they were learning from each other, which is a reason, but how do you encourage, how do you correct, how do you forgive and serve one another if you don't meet with one another? Right? And so they would meet. When, when they met together, they had opportunities to love one another. There are opportunities to encourage one another, opportunities to correct one another, and so on. And so, meeting together gave them opportunities to be in Christian fellowship with one another. 
Last week, I mentioned that small groups are key to being a devoted church. And I want to highlight it again, especially today. Because, you think about it, how many opportunities can you find to, just using these, these four examples, huh? how many opportunities can you find to encourage, to correct, to forgive, and to serve other believers on a Sunday morning when you might not know who's sitting next to you, uh, your attention is only focused in front, not to the sides, and you only maybe have a couple of minutes to interact before you go off for lunch, right? Now, I'm not saying that worship service is not important. Uh, please don't misunderstand me. It's important to set aside a regular time to worship God together, yes. But Christian fellowship is definitely more than just being in the same place at the same time. It involves a sharing of ourselves with others. Now, you might have many reasons for why you might not be part of a small group or why you might not be able to participate in other expressions of Christian fellowship like MYF or MSF or MW. And I'm sure many of these reasons are difficult reasons. Busy schedule, transport issues, bad experience, lack of peers, introversion, social anxiety, there are many reasons why being in Christian fellowship can be difficult. And I acknowledge that some of these reasons are also difficult for me. Yet being devoted to Christian fellowship will often require us to continuously endure these difficulties with strength. So be a participant in Christian fellowship not a spectator of Christian activity. Okay, let me say that again. Be a participant in Christian fellowship, not a spectator of Christian activity. Here's a good time for us to look at our first reflection question. Would you consider yourself a participant in Christian fellowship? What is one thing you can start doing in order to participate in the body of Christ more? Let's spend two minutes reflecting on this.
Okay, let's look at the next essential component of Christian fellowship, which is being of common mind. Now, I chose Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 as one of our scripture readings today because it captures a good picture of what Christian fellowship looks like. Because one important part of what counts as Christian fellowship is that people in fellowship have, with each other, they, they have a common mind. Now, the words, if you... Uh, Okay, let me read it for you. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, the words one in spirit in Greek literally means of one mind. Okay, and it talks about uh, a shared identity. Okay? And the words one mind here means to have the same thinking or the same understanding that leads to action. Now, this doesn't mean that there's no room for diversity, okay, that everybody must be brainwashed into, cannot have your own opinion. Uh, that's, that's not what it means to have one mind. But it means that we allow our minds to be shaped by God. And we ask the Holy Spirit to continuously renew our minds, take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. And so part of this becoming one mind, uh, part of it comes from being devoted to God's teachings, which we saw last week. We also saw uh, last week that one of the fruits of being devoted to God's teachings is unity and being of a uh, having a common identity and having a common understanding also brings about unity in Christian fellowship. So while we can share common interests and common ideas about things, Christian fellowship doesn't depend on those things in order to unite believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the unity that Christians have despite their diversity. And so that whole passage is about, you know, different members, uh, different function, very diverse, but they still make up one body, right? Still united by the one spirit. And so Christians, despite their diversity, they have a common identity as believers in Christ. So we might naturally gravitate towards more like-minded people, people who share the same hobbies, uh, same age group, uh, uh, same taste in food, whatever. But Christian fellowship should not result in cliques that isolate those who don't fit into those same categories. Because in Christ, we who are diverse and many are united by having the same identity and the same understanding in Christ. And so Christian fellowship means that we should be united even if we are diverse. Now, let me just take a short detour here. Earlier, I mentioned how the, the early church's devotion to the breaking of bread part uh, shares a similar theme with their devotion to fellowship. And this is why I chose 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 to 17 as one of our scripture readings. The word that is uh, often used to 
refer to the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, we, we tend to use these words, uh, Holy Communion, right? We talk about first month of, uh, sorry, first week of the month, we have Holy Communion and we refer to the Lord's Table, right? And so that word communion is an English translation of the word kenonia, found here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Context of this passage, Paul is teaching about eating food offered to idols, and he talks about the Lord's Supper to make a point that when many share from the same bread, they participate in they, they kinonia in the same body and blood of Christ. And so when the early church devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, this is likely what they would have had in mind, that they would come together, they would share the same bread, and this is not just a ceremonial thing, uh, this, they, they, are, they are eating meals, okay, they are uh, experiencing Christian fellowship at the same time as this Holy Communion, okay? So today, Holy Communion is something that, oh, it's, it's something symbolic. Uh, we, we wouldn't consider after Holy Communion, oh, had lunch already. No, right? <laughs> we'll still go for lunch. But back then, their, their, their Holy Communion, their uh, breaking of bread was actually their, their meals, and so they would fellowship, they would experience Christian fellowship over it. And so being devoted to the breaking of bread was also being devoted to being united in Christian fellowship. Even though different members of the body of Christ, but the same bread, same body. Okay, so they are united in fellowship. Let's look at our second reflection question for today. What is one thing you can do to help encourage unity in Christian fellowship? Two minutes.
So being of common mind is essential for Christian fellowship, but there are many churches where believers might be taught and, and understand the same things, and still they experience broken fellowship due to all sorts of hurts and tensions. And so Paul specifies not just a common mind, but what sort of common mind the Philippians should have, and that is the mind of Christ. Last week, we saw how Christ-likeness is also one of the fruits of being devoted to God's teaching. But today, what I want to focus on is how Christ-likeness, having the mind of Christ, produces two essential components for Christian fellowship, which is humility and other-centeredness. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And so what Paul describes here is pretty much the mindset of Christ that he refers to in verse 5. And then Paul later goes on, verse 6 onwards, uh, you, you can see Philippians chapter 2, uh, he goes on about how Jesus was humble and served others by dying on the cross for the sins of, of others, right? But why is humility and other-centeredness so essential for Christian fellowship? Well, we know how relationships suffer and hurt is caused by all sorts of sinful motives, actions, and attitudes. But within the body of Christ in particular, I think selfishness and pride uh, are some of the most common and effective deterrents of Christian fellowship. Selfishness and pride are some of the things that break Christian fellowship the easiest or prevent it. Just thinking back to what I've witnessed in several churches, so I'm not talking about this church, uh, don't worry, okay? Not talking about any of you. Uh, but other churches, not just Methodist churches, but also other churches that, that I, I visited, I can think of quite a few who experienced broken fellowship because they took offense at something that embarrassed them or they hurt one another by doing something selfish. And this covers a broad range of offenses. And so Paul says, instead of selfishness, instead of pride, in humility, value others above yourselves. One last uh, little in-depth thing into, into the Greek word. Uh, this word value means to think with a leading thought, okay, meaning that it is your top priority. Yeah? It is the first thing that you think of. So the mind of Christ is not just remembering to think about others or you know, after thinking about everybody and then carefully weighing your options, decide to put others before yourselves. It's a first thought, okay, that you are geared towards others first. So what does this look like in Christian fellowship? Well, let me give you an example. Let's say you and your friend are part of a small group, okay, and you are, you are there early to avoid traffic and you are enjoying some good Christian fellowship, okay, uh, while waiting for the others to arrive. And so you're sharing with each other, oh, incredible week that you've had. God used you 
to lead somebody to Christ in a very unexpected way. All glory to Him. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's all very encouraging and you feel great about how God has used you and you are halfway through telling the story and then somebody arrives for a small group and they are a newcomer. They heard my preaching, you know, these past two weeks and they decided to join the small group. So they are a newcomer and because they are new, they are still a bit shy and they're not just going to suddenly jump into the middle of a conversation, right? When they have zero context, they don't even know what you're talking about. So they just sit in the corner, pull out their phone, and they start scrolling on Facebook. So humble, other-centeredness would prevent you from just continuing with your exciting story and ignoring the newcomer's arrival. Instead, because your first thought is, eh, hey, other-centered, not self-centered, right? So you're, you, you might introduce yourself and try to include them in the conversation. You say, oh, oh uh, wait, uh, uh, let me give you a quick summary of what we're talking about, right? Or maybe you might even put the conversation on pause and begin a brand new conversation to get to know this newcomer better. Other-centeredness. Now, this is not always easy to do. Especially if you're within this particular example, if you're an introvert, starting conversations makes you very uncomfortable. But remember, being devoted in Christian fellowship sometimes requires us to endure in strength. Let's look at our last question for today. Have you experienced someone valuing your interests above their own in Christian fellowship? And how can that inspire you to do the same? Two minutes.
In conclusion, I'd like you to know that a devoted church is devoted to Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship is sharing a relationship with other Christians. I'd like you to be united, humble, and other-centered in your relationships with other Christians. Be devoted in Christian fellowship. Continue to endure in it with strength. And do participate in the life of the body of Christ. Be a participant in Christian fellowship, not a spectator of Christian activity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.